We're going to continue to worship um, by reading uh, the gospel reading this morning, and it's from, it's from Luke chapter 4, and hopefully it will come up uh, on the screen um, behind me. Um, let me just read the words of this short passage. Um, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. And he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. And as was his custom, he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And here ends the reading. Um, may God bless this reading to us. In 2016, I've shared this story before. Um, I read this article um, in New York Magazine by author and self-diagnosed news junkie Andrew Sullivan, and it was entitled, I Used to Be a Human Being. And in it, uh, Andrew Sullivan argues that the culture we're living in, this culture of instant and constant, always-on, news-obsessed, information-overloaded, digitally-connected world, and haven't we known that over the past year particularly, that that kind of world has profound impact on us as human beings, maybe more than we first thought. His main evidence was anecdotal and biographical. His own story, 15 years in media and publishing that nearly killed him, the constant barrage of scrolling words and images and news feeds all day, every day, seeping into every space of his life. And it affected him, it affected his life, his relationships, and ultimately it affected his happiness, his well-being. He was numb to his emotions and his reality. He was broken as a human being. And his story goes on to tell of going to this meditation retreat, this detox retreat to try to fix himself, try to rediscover who he is and fix himself, rebuild himself. And he, 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 in it, he, he tells of the discoveries of the value of silence and solitude, the practice of attentiveness, what you give our attention to. We spoke about that a few weeks ago. Um, the practice of gratitude, he speaks about that, the, the power of simple and slowing down. And, but one day on retreat, and he was taking this walk into the woods, this meditation walk, he broke down in tears. The whole experience caught him unawares. Um, and it, because it reminded him of his um, childhood, earlier childhood, when he would explore the woodlands in, in Sussex in England, and these, these joys, these simple joys that he would have um, out in the woodland in Sussex when he was a child. But alongside the joy, he realized in those moments that there was a lot of pain in his life that he'd carried from those early days. And 
the pain of, of a love that he, he himself never knew from his, his mother, sadly, who, who had struggled in her own life with um, ill health and mental ill health. And in the woods on that retreat, with the distraction turned down and the noise turned down for a moment, Andrew Sullivan writes that he in some way connected, reconnected with the deep parts of himself that had been buried for years. And he says that his restless soul finally tasted a moment of peace. A moment of peace. His story um, speaks to something that I think is true and universal for all of us. In a sense, isn't that what we're looking for? A kind of moment where everything is as it should be. A moment of peace, of wholeness, of rest, of resolve, of reconciliation, things the way they should be. And I guess we don't need Andrew's story to tell us um, or illustrate to us how, in fact, as human beings, we can deal with all sorts of difficult parts of our lives, pains, disappointments, shadows. Living through a pandemic over the past year, of course, it has raised all kinds of fears in us that perhaps we didn't know we had. Anxieties, perhaps worry at different levels and at different times for all of us, but I think we have all experienced things perhaps we didn't think we would or didn't think perhaps were there. And we can distract or try to entertain ourselves away from that kind of thing. We can push down those fears and those disappointments or the mundaneness of life for a moment. And I'm trying, I suppose, to find a little bit of peace, a little bit of rest for our weary souls for our tired bones, if only we could taste a moment of peace that might help us escape the tougher realities of a broken world in which we live. It's a personal story, Andrews. We all have our own stories, personal stories, and maybe something that I'm speaking of to you today resonates at a level. Peace, this kind of thing that we're all after, And maybe that's the word we would use for it. Maybe it's not. But why is that thing that I'm naming peace today, why is that thing so elusive or hard to come by? I want you to hold that question for a moment. Why is it so elusive? I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised as a Protestant Baptist Christian. Forgive me. And there was a story that I was told when I was growing up that shaped my worldview completely, and it shaped me in the process. You may have heard this story, and the story was this, that that God made the world, the humans ruined it by sinning. Jesus sent, God sent Jesus to die for our sins so that if we believed in him, we would be saved and go to a place called heaven when we die. Maybe you've heard that story. Walking through the city center streets, certainly in the 70s, the 80s, or the 90s in Belfast, you would have heard this story proclaimed, shouted maybe through a bullhorn by a guy, always a guy, never a girl, standing on a soapbox. Let's call this story the street preacher's story. They said it was good news, and at the time, I saw it like that. 
Yet, looking back now, I realize that the story was small and limited, and it didn't really sound like good news at all. It actually felt like the big problem was this thing called sin in us as humans, and it needed to be removed. And that Jesus was just part of some equation to try to remove the sin so that we could all be made pure and be delivered to this pure place where all the pure, cleansed people went, called heaven. But there were several problems, as I've said, with this, quote, good news, because firstly, it only seemed like it was for some people. It only seemed like it was for some people. Only some people got in on that story, and everyone else was excluded. Secondly, this story didn't seem to have anything good to say about this world, the one we live in, the one we occupy. What about my life now? What about my hopes and my fears and my dreams? Was this just about saving souls from this bad, sick, broken place called the world so that we could go to a nirvana-like place called heaven. I call that evacuation theology, pulling us out of this world and whisking us away somewhere else. What did this story have to say about injustice and poverty and illness and disease? and viruses which cause global pandemics? What did this gospel have to say about abuse and violence and countries at conflict and the troubles here in our own land and politics and race relations? What did this story have to say about our bodies, our sexuality, our livelihoods, our relationships, the environment, the world itself? Where was the peace that we so long for? Where's the wholeness? Where's the good news? Or is this world just going to hell in a handbasket? I then discovered that this story, the small and the limited story that the street preachers told, was actually not adequate. In fact, my curiosity and the Holy Spirit and the goodness of God led me to realize that that story was not, in fact, the good news story of God at all. That that story was not the gospel. That that story was not the story that God wants my heart to hear and ours to hear this morning. In fact, I have discovered as I've looked to the life of Christ and in the scriptures, and I have been taught by wiser people than myself, that the story of God has everything to do with everything. It has everything to do with everything that I just spoke about. That the gospel was about peace. This thing that is so elusive that we search for to get a little respite from this broken world. And there's a word that the scriptures use in the Hebrew for that peace, that reality. And it's the word shalom. 
the word shalom, the story of God. And this is really good news this morning. The story of God as seen in Jesus is about shalom. The good news of the gospel of the kingdom. The good news that Jesus preached and lived was a vision of everything in the world that is wrong made right. That is the gospel. Everything wrong made right. Everything broken healed. Everything restless returned to peace. Everything lost reconciled. I once had a friend describe shalom like this. He said to imagine a car sitting and turned off and quiet and not moving. That's at peace, right? Well, in fact, in a limited sense, it's not making any noise, but cars are not meant for that. When a car starts up perfectly and is tuned to perfection and the engine works and it drives down the road and it performs exactly how it is supposed to perform without a hiccup, a flaw, or a stutter, the car is doing exactly what it is meant to do. That is shalom. When everything is as it should be, Everything is healed, mended, in harmony. And so the God story, the gospel that Jesus proclaimed that we just read about in Luke chapter 4 is a very good story. It is about setting the captives free, making the blind to see. It is a grand story of making all things in the cosmos right making all things new, bringing shalom, bringing peace where everything is as it should be. I think there's a part of every human that yearns for that. I think it's in us as human beings to know God, to know one another, to be at peace with ourselves when everything in our souls and in the world is as it should be. I think there's something in all of us there's something in all of us that yearns for that. Maybe you have it this morning. Maybe you've tasted it for a, a moment. Maybe you're far from it. Maybe you're asking the same questions I'm raising today. Why is it so fleeting? How can we get it? We all long for it. And I've realized the more that I've journeyed with Jesus, that Jesus is all about leading us into shalom. He is about bringing the salvation of God to our lives in an all-encompassing way that transforms our lives, that transforms our society, that transforms our relationships, that transforms our city, that transforms our nation, that transforms this world, not whisk us off to some other place. This is plan A. And so, Redeemer, today, we're starting a new series. I've just started it. <laughs> and we're going to spend a number of months from now, right through summer, asking that question, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And how is the gospel good news for this world? In fact, the series, we're just going to call it the very good gospel. 
the very good gospel, how everything wrong can be made right. And if you think that's a good title for a series, uh, it's because we stole it from a book. There's a book I want to recommend to you called The Very Good Gospel by Lisa Sharon Harper. And I would recommend you get a copy. We can make copies available here. And we're going to use this book, which is completely rooted in the scriptures and the story of God. We're going to use this book as a guide between now, in the middle of May, right through September, or right through to the end of August. And we're going to ask and hopefully find the answer to this question, what is the gospel? And how is it good news for us here and now? So myself and Stephanie Wilson are going to be teaching this series week on, week out. Stephanie's up next week. And we're going to invite some friends along the way. We're going to tell some stories along the way. And we're going to cover some topics. Here's some of the topics. Shalom and God. Shalom and self. Shalom and race. Shalom and nations. Shalom and gender. Shalom and families. Shalom and sexuality. Shalom and creation. Shalom and illness. Shalom and death and life after death and the end. And we're going to explore how the very good gospel, what that actually means. How we as followers of Jesus who are, have discovered and found the salvation of God, who confess Christ as our Lord, as our Savior, as the one in whom we follow, how can we tell the good news of the gospel to a world that so needs it? A world that needs a better story. We're going to explore all of this. The very good gospel is indeed the news that the world needs to hear more than ever and be invited into. So many stories are told and dominate our Western society, but so many do come short and do not have the capacity and the ancient wisdom to come up with the answers to some of the toughest questions about what it means to be fully human. And all along, we as Christians sit with the story that holds all of our hopes and our dreams. And sometimes we reduce it to such a small and limited and inadequate story. I'd love us to take a step out into the wideness of the very good gospel and what it might mean for us in the world and how we might tell it to those around us so that we as humans can be at peace with God, that we can have our sins forgiven, because our story speaks about forgiveness, which is a concept that our society struggles with so much, and yet we have it in our story, so that we can be at peace with ourselves and who God says we are, so that we can be at peace with our neighbors, and so that we can be at peace ultimately in our world. And so I think next Sunday, Stephanie's going to be teaching on a glimpse of shalom. And the following week, I'll be back to continue the series, 
looking at shalom with God. All the dates and the topics will be emailed out this week to us as a church. You'll be able to plan your summer around that. Hopefully we'll be able to gather in the park throughout summer too and have social times together. We're going to play that by ear because Northern Irish weather means we have to. But if that's the case, we'll make sure that we record the talk. We'll get it out in some other way or we'll, we'll figure it out as we go. But we want to do that and we want to journey through this together. And I want to invite you to participate. I want to invite you to participate. I'd love you to get the book. Um, we'll, make some, we'll make copies of the book available too. Um, because obviously every week for 20 minutes, we cannot cover these topics in any great depth or extent, but we will speak to them. And so there's a participation there for us as a community. Buy the book, read it, grapple with it, pray, pray it through, talk with your family, your friends, your community, grapple with this question, what is the gospel? How is it good news? And also, I'd love to invite you to participate by just scribbling down those questions that you have. Because at the end of the series, we're hoping to do a Q&A um, at the very end of the series, maybe for a week or even two, perhaps, depending on how we go. And let's engage with the great story that we're part of and remind ourselves as we step into this new world post-COVID, post-lockdown, and we try and grapple with that, Let's, let's, let's engage with the very good news that we have in Christ. We're going to come to the table today, the table of grace. We're going to do that now. In fact, I'd love to invite uh, John and Caitlin up again because they're going to lead us in a song. But before I do that, I want to give us something today to go away with. And you'll remember Andrew Sullivan at the start. you remember his digital detox. You'll remember him trying to find a sense of peace. you remember that article. Well, in that year of 2016 when he wrote that, I had a difficult year, perhaps one of my most challenging years. And I've spoken about it before, and I don't need to go through that again. But in that time, which did lead me to depression gave me to despair. I was wondering why life seemed to be falling apart, relationships and job stuff. And I just cried out to God and I got really angry with God in my prayers. And funny enough, those weren't the kind of prayers I was taught as a good Baptist growing up. But I discovered that those were the kind of prayers that God could take. And so many things that I'd been trying to strive for in success, they'd come tumbling down. But in those prayers of pain, disappointment, there was honesty. And in a way, those prayers were more holy than any prayers I'd prayed before. And those prayers echoed the prayers of the psalm writers. And in the dark night of the soul, so to speak, I would light a candle and I would pray day in, day out, night in, night out. And I would invite God by his spirit, which he has poured out upon the church, to come and to meet me. And I would invite the presence of God to come and slowly the peace, the shalom of God rested on me and I tasted a little bit of shalom as I drew close to the loving arms of God, tender and compassionate, loving Father who is the mender of broken hearts.
and I remembered the story of a God who wants to mend the world, who wants to mend you, who wants to mend me. And I remembered about the life of Jesus and how often life is found on the other side of death, resurrection life. And it's in the broken things that God is in the business of healing. Elusive peace is not what he's about, but he is about making things right and whole. That which is broken and damaged and disconnected and disintegrated and bringing wholeness, healing, flourishing, all things as they should be. Shalom is when the image of God is recognized and protected and cultivated in every human being. And it's our personal calling as followers of Jesus to discover that. That this vision that God set forth in the garden and the restoration that God desires for us, that is the very good news. And so despite my disappointment and my pain and my anxiety, I met the living God and I tasted a little fragment of shalom. Last week, a preacher friend gave me this. It's a bowl. It's actually, does anyone know what that is? It's a kintsugi bowl. It's a Japanese art. It says that nothing that is broken should be thrown away. But in fact, when something is broken, it can be restored. This has been broken. It's been put back together with gold leaf. The Japanese believe that it's more beautiful than the original because it's totally unique. And I think it's a picture of the very good news. I think it's a picture of the gospel. That despite our brokenness, God's in the business of healing. And so I want to go on that journey with us. But I trust this morning as we come to the table of Jesus that you hold this image in your mind if you're feeling broken this morning, if you're feeling tired this morning, if you just need something from the Lord this morning, know that he is in the process of making you whole and bringing shalom to every corner of your life, every broken relationship, every illness, everything that's distorted, everything that's out of whack, whatever it might be, he says, you are good, you are beautiful, and he's making you whole in Christ. We are offered that peace. In fact, Christ said, do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. Scriptures say that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'd invite you to stand, and I'd love the guys to lead us in a song. We're going to come and we're going to taste this morning at the table of Jesus, a taste of shalom, a taste of grace, a taste of the love of God that is here and present for us, wanting to mend us and make us more like Christ, in which we become at home with ourselves, with God. We become whole and healed. Let me just read this prayer over us.
before I do, let me just give you the instructions of what we're all going to do, and then I'll do the prayer. The guys are going to lead us in a song. I'm going to uncover the, bre- the wine and the bread to my left and my right. I just love us to all come up and do, as John called it, it's a click and collect this morning. It's not a delivery. <laughs> so you've got to come and click and collect your, uh, your communion. You can take a bit of bread here. They're all in little individual glasses and some wine, and you can return to your table throughout the duration of the song. And then when the song finishes, we'll take the communion together. So don't take it when you come and receive it and hold it, and then we will take communion together when the song is over. Is that cool? There's a hand sanitizer here too if you need to do that. And for those at home this morning listening on, get the bread and wine ready, because we'd love you to participate with us at home in your homes and invite those that are alongside you to join with you. But I just want to read this prayer over us and then we will sing. God, we are waiting. We are waiting for the redemption of these physical bodies. Even as we know they are already redeemed, still we wait for the fullness of time. God, we are waiting, we are waiting for the earth to be revealed as peaceful, even as we know that the creation is constantly mirroring your glory. Still we wait and work for peace for all the creatures of this earth. God, we are waiting, we are waiting for death to end, dry bones to live again, even as we know that death is not the end, but a portal into a new life. God, we are waiting, waiting for the work to be complete, even as we bask in the now, knowing that all is truly well. We know that your Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, that we don't always know what or how to pray, but your Spirit prays for us and through us with sighs beyond language too deep for words. And so we are hoping, hoping, groaning and sighing in prayer alongside all creation, trusting in the day of Pentecost, the day your Spirit was set loose on all people, the day the whole earth succumbs to shalom, to goodness. The day the work is complete, you have put your spirit within us and we shall live, we shall live, we shall live, amen.